Welcome to the Power of Synergy on BBS Radio. I'm your host, Gabrielle Cardona. What is synergy? It's what people create when they come together with other people. The literal definition of synergy is the interaction or cooperation of two or more substances or entities to produce a combined effort greater than the sum of their separate effects. Well, what does that mean in a practical sense? There's an expression, the total is worth more than the sum of its parts, which is especially true when it comes to people. Humans become exponentially more powerful when they're united in thought and intention and volition, because everything they're thinking and feeling at all times will affect the other person and the energy between them intensifies. The capacity of the human soul is infinite for the simple reason that we have a body and a mind and a heart and a spirit. When those four things come together to create a soul, they work together with the same focus and intention and they're dynamic. So this show is about learning how to become more personally powerful and mindfully proactive, both when you're alone and with other people. I'm going to cover a lot of topics in the next hour, and if you have a question you want to ask or a comment you want to make, go ahead and give me a call. The number here at BBS Radio is 888-627-6008. Last week, I talked about how to be a higher quality version of yourself with some practical suggestions about how to take good quality care of yourself. When you're in a high-quality state, your positive energy will propel you to succeed. When you have positive energy, you will either conquer the negative or repel it completely because they'll either want to participate with you in a positive state or remove themselves from your environment. People only have the option of being with you in your proactive and positive condition and activity or leave. Negative suffocates in the presence of the positive, and good will completely eliminate evil in the sense that it is ultimately more successful. Most people simply feel overwhelmed by the negative, so they never learn how to effectively employ the positive. And last week, we talked about three great ways to help keep yourself in a high positive quality state. First, Things like milestones and rewards, setting up landmarks for yourself, stay focused and confirm your progress. Then, creating checklists that helps you to form healthy habits by repeatedly doing the same thing until it becomes more natural for you. And then, a shot in the arm when you need it, be mindful of your own needs and tend to them. Just make sure you do it in a balanced and healthy way. So now we're going to take a closer look at how to be even more healthy in the way that you take care of yourself. Now, I've always said as a life and relationship coach that humans have an infinite capacity. They are capable of so many things, having things, doing things, being things, more things, and better things. There are several ways to improve and many forms of improvement. 
But as you become a higher quality individual, you can think of it as reaching your full potential. That's really about your mindset because that's about your primary focus in life. When you're focused on what's truly important in life, your state of mind improves. When your state of mind improves, your performance improves. And then when your performance improves, your environment changes. It improves. When all of this is happening, your life has reached a higher quality state. People become a vital element in your lifestyle no matter what you have defined that lifestyle to be. So when you're thinking about the quality of your being, your focus changes as you get better and your general modus operandi improves. Your soul has become higher quality. This includes the way you feel at all times, no matter what your environment is surrounding you with. It's about your source, that everything else about you flows from inside of you. Now, again, your soul is your body and your thoughts and your feelings and your spirit. So let's take a look at the most primal source of your soul, but one layer at a time. Let's start with the quality of your feelings, because they are the source of your actions, the direct Source of your actions. Some good positive feelings that really are vital to having success and happiness in your life are things like generosity and love and concern for others, trust and vulnerability, and most importantly, the honesty that all of those things require that is the element, the perpetual element to generosity which is unlimited giving with no expectation for anything in return. Love that is true unselfishness. Concern that is genuine interest in the well-being of others enough to take action when there is a need for you to do so. And then the trust, the honesty is the foundation, the source of the trust that allows you to be vulnerable and surrender to others without fear of being hurt. Okay, well, what are the source of your feelings? Your thoughts. Now let's think about the quality of your thoughts. What kind of thinking function do you have to have? What tendencies and inclinations in your mental activities would be the healthiest for you? Well, things like optimism, which I alluded to in the feelings, but really your thoughts are going to be the source of your feelings. So having that optimistic attitude is going to be the source of appreciation, which is genuine value of the things that you have in your life that create those positive feelings. Okay, well, the truth is you're never going to be happy if you're not spiritual. But different people define spirituality in different ways. Let's just agree on one thing. Is happiness about contentment or about joy? Because sometimes we think we're happy. That means we have energy. We're joyful. We've got all kinds of reasons to have a demonstration of it. Well, some people say it's just about being contentment, being satisfied 
when you have that satisfaction that brings peace, that's true happiness. Okay, well, you know what? Take a real quick inventory about yourself. How much of your being is physical? How much is emotional? And how much is mental? Since, again, spirituality is the combination of these three elements, you know what the truth is? Even doctors will tell you this. We're only about 10% physical. We're about 50% emotional. And we're about 40% mental. But those three things are always intertwined and always manifestations of the other two things. What we're thinking and how we feel when we're having a physical experience is what truly matters in the human existence. So things like happiness and joy and peace, knowing that your mental and emotional qualities are what create everything you need. They're what make you not need external things because you don't need to fill a hole in your soul. You don't need monetary and material excesses. So unselfishness as the foundation, the fundamental principle for spirituality, you know what? That's something that all theologies basically agree about. Now, different religions have different presentations of how to reach that level of existence. But when all is said and done, that's the ultimate goal of pretty much every different philosophy for human improvement. The way we're built is basically to give, not take, not do things like hoard or accumulate, not flaunt, but to give and to share and provide. We're only truly happy and fulfilled as entities when we are creating good experiences for the souls around us. That requires not having concern about important things being taken care of by whatever you want to call it or whatever you want to see it as. Again, some people have a theos. It's a supreme being as their higher power. Well, some people are atheists. They believe in balance and harmony, that they're just laws of nature. But then others are agnostic, and they're really not sure. But they're still interested and being the best possible life form that they can be. So as status sort of inventory of yourself question, think of it this way. How much do you worry about your needs, your basic needs being cared for to the point that you are convinced that you need more and you're concerned about more? And extras then are actually seen by you as the basic. If you do genuinely hard, high-quality level work, you will never go without. Again, that's a lot of different theologies. They do treat the principles of balance as the foundation for spirituality because something will always make sure you are provided for if you do have that good, healthy, positive energy and the quality of what you're doing then will be better as a result of it. Okay, well, vulnerability and surrender, they're the essence of spirituality. And the higher power is the reason we can trust others. Having that in some way is a form of surrender. And trust that when you give to others, your needs will be taken care of by whatever it is that you want to see it at. Now, ask yourself a question. This is just kind of an, an inventory question. 
if you made $200 an hour doing your job, how many hours a week would you feel the urge to work? Well, having money and things is not important if you're satisfied and peaceful because external things don't create an internal abundance, and you know that. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and take a real close look at what it means to be at your best internally on a spiritual level, how you can make that happen. You're listening to The Power of Synergy on BBS Radio, and I'm your host, Gabrielle Cardona. Welcome back to The Power of Synergy on BBS Radio. I'm your host, Gabrielle Cardona. Now, we just talked about quality over quantity and the difference in value when it comes to us as a soul, elements that really are vital to spirituality. Okay, but in terms of your potential, let's take a closer look at that, being the best you can be. It might be easier for some people just to contemplate it in percentages, being 100% of what they can be. Okay, so starting at 0%. How do you change as you improve the state of your personal condition? How much better do you get as you improve who you are? Do you know? Have you ever thought about it? Well, I like to explain it, people who are interested in numbers, from three different perspectives. One as an enhancement. One is augmentation, and the other one is amplification. Now, again, there's having more, having better. There's doing more and doing better. And then there's being more and there's being better. Now, let's think of it just, again, in terms of numbers. Now, if you were to enhance yourself, say you were starting out on a scale of 1 to 10, you were at a 3. And you said, okay, you know what? I have more. I have better. That's three. I've added five. You know what? That makes you eight. That's pretty good. That's not bad at all. Well, but if you were to augment, that's doing more, doing better. You were three, but the five that you added was multiplication. That's actually 15. That's more than twice as good as just enhancement. Okay, well, but you know what? Being more and being better That's the amplification. Think of it in exponential terms. Three to the fifth power. How much is that? That's 243. Well, it's the same numbers, three and five. When you're adding, it's eight. When you're multiplying, it's 15. When you're amplifying, it's 243. But when you're having more, you're externally focused, you're not really involved as the element. When you're augmenting, you're doing more. That's externally focused still, but it has your occasional participation because you're doing more or you're doing better. But you know what? 
When you're amplifying who you are, you are internally focused on the source of everything that you do and everything that you are. So that's why it becomes three to the fifth power instead of just three plus five. Okay, so now in greater detail, the having, doing, being more and better, we did kind of scratch the surface last week, but let's look at this on eight different levels of existence that the six different mindsets that I just referred to can create. They can basically fall into three different categories. One is proactively harming others. And the second one is just withholding good from them. And the other one is being good to and for them. One is proactively bad. One is just not really doing anything bad, but not doing anything good. And the other one is being and doing good. Again, I've said many times, there is no neutral energy. If your energy is not positive, it is defaulting into negative. Well, let's be specific about what negativity is. Now, think about yourself. And if it's hard for you to be honest with yourself or to look at yourself objectively, go ahead and think about someone in your life that you have a lot of interaction with. Now, the first level, again, proactively harming others, that can involve doing things like hurting other people for your own pleasure. Or it could even just be hurting others because of your pain. Okay, or it could be hurting others as a way to manipulate them into doing good for you. Those are all very reactive behaviors. Well, then there's just withholding good from people. There's two different reasons why you could withhold good, that you have the capacity to give them, the opportunity and the ability to give them. One could be withholding good as their punishment. That's very authoritarian in a mindset way. And there's withholding good as a motivation to get them to do good. Sometimes people say, I have this good to give you. You give to me first, and then I'll go ahead and I'll give that good to you. Well, you know what? That can be very successful. That can be very motivational. But what about the the third level of being good to and for people? The first level is only doing good as a reward for the good that was done to you first. Okay, well, that's kind of self-righteous, but that's still doing good things. That, that requires good energy. Then there's doing good with an expectation of a reward, but stopping if you don't get it. And the best possible form of thought and feeling the functionality is doing and being good with no expectations and having the ability to continue doing and being good even when you're harmed because having that good positive source energy means you're able to recover the good that you are being, conquers the evil, and that's cathartic because it's unselfish and unconditional. Again, I've referred to it a couple different times, but really good conquers evil. It will always win, but it has to be genuinely good. The good is no expectations and the ability to continue even when harmed because it can recover. Okay, so being the higher quality individual, you know what? Let's let's just use an example that everyone can refer to and everyone can relate to. 
if a woman in a very bad mood, in a very unhealthy state of mind, I've always loved the scripture that says, you know what, it's better to sleep on the roof alone than with an angry woman, woman looking for a fight. If a woman says to her family, hey, husband, hey, kids, you know what, this is going to put me in a good mood, then does it and is in a good mood. The family will do anything necessary to keep her in that state because they have seen it for themselves and it will absolutely be worth it to them because having her in that good mood is beneficial to them. Energy, again, is very powerful. There is no negative energy. So now we're going to talk about taking even better care of yourself with three more tools. First of all, Mindfully setting up a healthy support system, knowing how to maximize what that support system offers you in a practical way. The second one, affirmations that your thoughts create success in your life, personally as well as professionally. And number three, appreciating the potential good that negative emotions can do for you when you are the one in charge of them. Okay, so thinking again, the highest percent that being good for people, doing good for people, okay, 80% of your potential, both of us rewarding, right, to create, but with expectations, knowing how to take good care of yourself and taking good care of others requires a gift of acceptance. That's about unconditional love. That's tough. People talk about unconditional love all the time. That's kind of a term people tend to throw around. But utilizing emotions, negative emotions, in a proactive way is absolutely vital to that because it takes something that could potentially do damage to you or to someone else and using it as a stepping stone to make a situation better and maximize all of the opportunities that you have as a relationship in that situation. And then avoiding loneliness with a personal support system means that you have that humility and that vulnerability that you need if you're going to be a truly spiritual person. And then positive thinking with affirmations. Sometimes you just need to brainwash yourself when you know how to talk to yourself and be in control of your own thoughts, you are going to be in control of your own feelings. When we come back, we're going to talk about all of those things, those three different things that you can use. But I want you to think, first of all, in your life, before we take our next break, about how often your negative emotions really do stop you from doing things that you would have otherwise done, as well as how many people in your life could be a potential asset to you and how often do you think in a positive way throughout the day. Before we go through all of those specific things, take a real quick inventory because we're going to take a closer look at all three of them in greater detail when we come back. You're listening to The Power of Synergy on BBS Radio and I'm your host, Gabrielle Cardona.
Welcome back to The Power of Synergy on BBS Radio. I'm your host, Gabrielle Cardona. Now, we just talked about the different tools and resources that you might have, the different ways you can maximize your situation and your tools in order to create the the success and the positive experiences in your life that will empower you as a soul. But again, I just want my listeners to know if you have any questions or any comments that you want to make as we go through a lot of information in the next half hour, the number to the radio here is 888-627-6008. Okay, so let's take a really close look now at some things that stop people from being successful and happy in their life. Number one is feeling alone. Number two is destructive thoughts. And number three is negative emotions. Sometimes feeling alone requires having the support and encouragement that you need from the people in your life. That can make a huge difference for you, not only in what you're thinking, how you're feeling, and what you do. When people know that what they mean to you is that important, and they realize they can provide something important and valuable to you, they're often very willing to do it. Personal resources are something to utilize whenever you need them. Now, there's another very popular spiritual principle that a lot of different theologies accept and embrace. There's more joy in giving than there is in receiving. I call it the gift of acceptance. We use the example of the the child who hands you something that is so gross to eat, and yet you still eat it because the joy that it creates when you not only tell that that little person, yes, I accept what you're giving me, but your generosity created happiness for me. It's an invaluable experience, and we all know. Do you know what? We don't always think about that's true when we grow up, too. When someone offers you a sincere, heartfelt gift, yeah. It's invaluable to them when you say not only that you accept what they're offering you, but you appreciate what it creates for you in your life. Okay, so everyone does everything. It's only a matter of how much in what way. Some things you have to learn, other things you don't. You know what? Hey, you really do need to ask people what they have to give. Well, sometimes they don't even know. (laughs) They don't even know themselves. So what I tell people is know the people that are in your life, truly who they are. Sometimes we don't have time to get to know people. So it's important to be able to say, I I use the example of a body. A person may have a heart personality. Someone has a mind personality. Someone's more like a muscle. You need to do what your true nature is. Well, one of the best gifts you can give people is going to them four things that are in their nature to do when you go to someone who is a certain kind of personality and you say, hey, the thing that you're amazingly good at, that's exactly what I need right now. Could you make my life better by being an amazing version of you? Wow. You have just created synergy. Not only have you said to them that they are vitally important, you've also said that you are vulnerable. 
They are important. You are vulnerable. What you will create when you come together is mutually positive energy. Now, again, some people are great at emotional support. They help others work through painful feelings that can be overwhelming. Those are intuitive feelers. Others are willing and able to get physical things done, things that people might not ordinarily have the time or resources to do themselves. Those are sensory perceivers. Then there are people who can come up with solutions to problems when a mental block occurs. They can come up with a brilliant game plan or an ingenious idea. They're intuitive thinkers. And still others love to give moral encouragement and positive reinforcement, support needed to stay focused and keep going. Those are sensory judgers. Okay, so basically out of 16 personalities, there are only four dispositions, the ones that I just listed. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on personality today on the show, but I am going to go through the overview of the different questions that you can ask to determine someone's personality if you haven't already figured it out just by observing their behavior. Now, keep in mind that the disposition is based on the second letter of someone's four-letter personality. The second letter is either sensing or intuitive, S or N. The reason why the intuitive isn't an I is because the I has already been delegated to introvert. So just keep in mind, again, we're talking about the second letter of your personality, sensory or intuitive. Now, if you're not sure about those and you don't want to read the whole book, I'm going to ask some questions, some things that you can look at to determine if someone is sensory. A good indication is that someone is sensory is they want stimulation. They enjoy physical experiences, even in the event that that experience was a negative, a bad experience is better than no experience at all to a sensor. Another indication that they're very, very good at, you know what, sensing, well, they don't like to speculate. Sensors are about right here, right now. They're very likely to be a sensor if when you say, what are you going to be doing in, you know, two weeks from now and... They roll their eyes, and I don't know how much, why are we even wasting time talking about that? Then they might be a sensor, okay? And another good indication that they're sensor is they're very literal. They do take things literally. When you ask them, where are you? They say, uh, I'm right here in front of you. <laughs> Can you see me? <laughs> okay, well, then that might be an intuitive would ask a question like that. Some things that would also indicate that someone's intuitive is, well, you know what? They could be looking right at something and not see it. They'll open up the cupboard and be looking at the peanut butter and going, hmm, I wonder if we're all out of peanut butter. Just kind of in their own head. Another another thing that intuitives do, well, you know what? They can get lost walking around the block. They can be to a place several times and still not remember how to get there. And Another indication that someone is an intuitive, not a sensor, is they're asking questions like, how are these things connected? How are they related? Because they genuinely want to see the big picture where a sensor would say, you know what? I see what's in front of me right here, right now. Okay, well, I think then if we're talking about whether they're a sensor, if someone is a sensor, then that means that their disposition would be based on the last letter of their personality. That would be either P or J. And if someone is an intuitive, 
their disposition would be based on the third letter of their personality, which is either T or F. So let's start with the third letter, T or F, that's thinker or feeler. So now, what are some things that you can ask someone to determine if they're a thinker? Well, you know what? Thinkers think that being logical and rational is absolutely vital. The only way you're going to be successful in life is if you keep it making sense. And you know what? Another, another thing that a thinker might say is you don't take things personally. When suggestions are made or criticism are made, it's not personal. You need to look at information objectively. And then you know what? Another thing a thinker might say is making people happy is icing on the cake, but it can't be the motivation to what you do. If you're constantly worried about other people's happiness, you're not going to get the things done that need to get done. Okay, well, a feeler would say more things like, you don't have to have conflict to be successful in life. In fact, if you have conflict, it's probably because you're not doing something right. Okay, well, a feeler would also say something like, making people happy does make sense. If, if it's making people unhappy, it's not a logical thing to do. Well, one of the things I like to ask people is, okay, a situation, if you were um, performing life-saving surgery on the person that you love more than anything and they didn't have any painkillers, they didn't have the, the medicine that they needed to reduce their suffering, and you were learning from a book how to perform the surgery, you had to perform the life-saving surgery, how much would their pain distract you away from looking at information? You know what? A thinker would immediately say, I can see the information, I'm reading the book, and you just got to, you have to compartmentalize the pain. A feeler would say, I wouldn't even be able to look at the page because I'm so, I feel so bad knowing that me saving their life is causing them pain. Okay, so keep in mind, are you a thinker or a feeler if you're an intuitive? If you're a sensor, now you need to look at these questions the perceiving or judging questions. If a sensory person, you are either a sensory perceiver or a sensory judger. Now, perceiving questions would be things like, are you more excited with, um, with rules and regulations or your freedom? A perceiver would say, yeah, I feel suffocated with, with rules and regulations. Really need my freedom. <laughs> Well, a perceiver would say, I'm more excited at the beginning of a project and I might not finish because I kind of lose my energy as I'm going through the, the process. And they would say, even if I am given those rules and regulations, they're more like guidelines because life is not about adhering to every single thing exactly the way it is. That's not real life. You have to be flexible. But a judger would say, well, you know what? I, I like lists. I like lists. <laughs> and when I have lists, I feel very comfortable uh, writing down things that I haven't even done just so that I can cross them off. I get more excited when I cross the things off because I, I feel accomplishment, which then is the next question. I'm happier at the end. Yeah, I start out at the beginning. I got a nice little momentum, but the closer and closer and closer I get to the end, the more excited I get, the more energy I get. Yeah, if I don't finish, I'll go crazy. And then another thing a judger might say is, 
well, it's better to be 59 minutes early than one minute late. Okay, so again, let's go back and just real quickly summarize. If you're a sensor, you're either sensory judger or sensory perceiver. If you're an intuitive, you're an either intuitive thinker or an intuitive feeler. Because the second letter determines which letter it will connect to. Okay, well, now we're talking about the four dispositions real quickly. If you have people in your life who are SJ, SP, NT, NF, let's go through real quickly how to get along with them and how to be with them in your life in order for them to want to be with you. Because I promise you, in this world that we live, we live in social contact, social connections, even during COVID, we have thousands of people in our lives we might not even think about as potential resources. Okay, so how to get along with a sensory judger. Number one, express regret if you have done something wrong. They like to hear a genuine and sincere, I'm sorry, because it makes everything in their life right again. Number two, appreciate their thoroughness and industriousness, their loyalty and their willingness to assist and handle practical details. Number three, try to have things run smoothly and efficiently. They don't like confusion, delays, and waste. And number four, honor your commitment in order to win their loyalty and trust. Number five, don't take advantage of their tendencies to take on extra responsibilities and Very important, be specific and practical. Number six, they value common sense. They may be impatient with vague information or abstract thinking. Most importantly, number seven, don't try to force them into new ways of doing things. Appreciate that they're very good at keeping traditions. Okay, well, do you have an SP in your life? Number one, appreciate their enthusiasm and optimism their common sense and ability to deal with crises. Number two, join them in their many activities and adventures. Number three, give them freedom. Don't try to box them into too many schedules and routines. Number four, when making a request, give them choices and alternatives, then give them space. They want to do it in their own way and their own time. Number five, Don't overwhelm them with a lot of issues. Just pinpoint the problem that you're having. Set aside a limited time to discuss it. And you know what? Maybe you might want to do something while you're talking to them. Most importantly, number six, when something important needs to be addressed, use metaphors and illustrations because that will help them understand things on a deeper level. Okay, now, before we go on to the end, I like to think of SJs as bones. They're strong and firm. They provide moral support. SPs, they're flexible and powerful. They provide physical support. Okay, now, how about an NT? NTs are like brains, okay? They provide a lot of mental support. Number one, let them know that you appreciate their objectivity, knowledge, quick mind, and wit. Number two, respect their need for independence in the form of autonomy. Number three, develop your own interests. Don't rely on them for your own compa- all of your companionship. 
and avoid smothering them and being overly dependent on them. Kind of like SPs in that way, but more importantly, engage in interesting and intellectually stimulating conversations with them. Number five, when you're communicating, don't overwhelm them with your feelings. And number six, ask them questions and advice in problem solving. Let them be creative in the solutions that they offer you. Now, how to get along with NS, they're like hearts. Number one, they enjoy romance and attention, so give them cards and compliments and hugs and loving attention and affection. Number two, appreciate them for the deep love that they're capable of giving and expressing. Number three, reassure them that if they say no, you're not going to reject them or be angry with them because that's their deepest fear in life. Number four, always be very tactful when you're giving, giving them feedback because they're very sensitive to disapproval and rejection. They don't like sarcasm and teasing. Number five, encourage them to follow their own pursuits and put their work out into the world, their greatness. They hide a lot of the stuff they have to offer. And number six, be patient and understanding of their need to process and express their feelings. It's not going to be like other people, and you just need to accept that and then appreciate that about them. Okay, so now you need to start with four lists of five people in your life that you know and personally interact with at least once a week. Get to know the people in your life and learn their dispositions. Let them use their greatest skills and talents and gifts and strengths to help you succeed. They would love nothing more than for you to appreciate the amazing things that they have in abundance of. And when they watch you succeed because of something priceless that they've provided, you're making their life better. You're doing as much for them as they're doing for you. And the positive energy and healthy behaviors will be making you better in the process because they're giving you exactly what you need exactly at the right time. So before you speak to someone about being on your list, one, one person can be on more than one of your lists, your physical, your mental, your emotional, and your moral list. Ask yourself the questions here. Number one. How do you know them? Number two, how long have you known them? Number three, how much interaction do you currently have? Number four, how are they currently supportive to you? Number five, do they know you feel this way? Number six, how would they define your relationship? And number seven, do you even have their contact information? <laughs> do you know how to contact them in the event that you really do want them to work with you in your life? to make your life better, being who they are. You know what? If you just need to start out by making a list of 50 people you know, that's fine. Think about all of the people that you know in your life. Ask yourself questions that I just, just mentioned to determine whether someone that you might not have thought about before as being put on a list as a good personal resource. You might be pleasantly surprised what you see on the page. Okay, so we're going to be talking about affirmations when we come back. While we take a break, I want you to go ahead and think about what people are in your life that you might not have thought of, and they might want to be more involved with you than you thought. You're listening to The Power of Synergy on BBS Radio. I'm your host, Gabrielle Cardona. 
Welcome back to The Power of Synergy on BBS Radio. I'm your host, Gabrielle Cardona. And we just talked about having resources, personal resources that you can tap into in your life. But now we're going to take a closer look at some things going on inside of you. Positive thinking, powerful thinking through the use of tools like affirmations and also negative emotions, things that we might otherwise have thought to be bad things. You know what? They might almost be the best things in your life. So let's start with positive thinking through affirmations. Now, a lot of experts say, yeah, you have to use affirmations to brainwash yourself. Okay, now, (laughs) to affirm something just means to state it as a fact, asserting it strongly and publicly. When you affirm something, whether it's a thought or a feeling or a belief, you're stating it as a fact. You're saying that something is an absolute truth out loud that can be publicly just even in front of yourself, but with force and confidence. A lot of, again, professionals in the mental health industry use this as a form of self-brainwashing because studies have shown that when people hear words coming out of their own mouth, those words have a profound and lasting effect. Yes, others' words are very influential, but a person's own words have an even stronger effect. Science has also shown that the human subconscious does not understand the concept of no. So when it hears information, it simply accepts it as a fact and puts it to use in some way, practical way. Even when a person might be trying to say something positive, you know what, it, uh, if they say it in the form of this bad thing is not true, the brain doesn't understand it in a literal way. So everything, again, <laughs> your subconscious will take over and force the information that's being given back into your conscious. So let's go ahead and take a look at some rules for making effective affirmations. Number one, always phrase it in the present indicative sense. That means this is now a fact. Not it could be, not it will be, but this is already the truth. Number two, keep it short and simple. Number three, it should consist of highly complimentary statements about wonderful things that you are and do. Number four, write a list a minimum of 10, but they need to be proportionate, one to three. In the one to three ratio, one statement needs to be a statement you completely believe without a doubt you know it's true. One needs to be something that you suspect to be true, but sometimes wonder about. And the last one needs to be something that you don't believe at all, but would give anything to have be true. Just knowing that brainwashing yourself by saying it out loud enough times would make it true is reason enough for you to put it on the list. Write those things down. Shuffle the list of statements. Have at least seven copies of the complete list strategically placed throughout your general environment. Even if they're discreetly concealed from the general public, you know where they are. And say them out loud in a casual way at random times as you're doing daily activities. Have a set schedule that you are also routinely doing, using that that routine to use that to recite the affirmations. No matter what's going on in your life, other things can wait. And Say the whole list out loud until you completely believe each and every statement, as many times as it takes for that to happen. This may be for up to 15 minutes, depending on how you're feeling at the moment you're starting. Okay. Now, 
most important thing. We're talking about negative feelings, negative reaction emotions. Humans are capable of experiencing very intense negative emotions. The severity of an emotional experience can be overwhelming if someone's not prepared to deal with the experience. We have very important feelings. Number one is anger. Anger is what happens when the mind has discerned that something has already happened. Then there's fear. Fear is because your mind has discerned that something potentially threatening to you is in the process of happening. Number three is anxiety. When you experience anxiety, it's because your mind has discerned that something could eventually happen. Now, all three of those things are absolutely important because you know that your body is trying to help you. You just need to make sure that you know when you're having those feelings, you have to deal with all of the effects of the feeling before you take a look at what caused me to have this feeling. There's something in my environment that my body is saying, you need to deal with this. I'm going to continue to create an excessively stimulating experience for you until you deal with this. To prevent that from happening, it's best to directly address the reaction emotion at the time you're having it, work through and working through it in the way that's best for your personality in response to the issue, then you can solve the issue in a healthier way. Okay, so thinking about this, there is no negative energy or emotion that cannot be used in a positive way if proactive. And the power of synergy, you have the ability to do so many things. You have an obligation to do so many things in life. Because responsibility demands accountability. Whether it's a divine source blessing that you see it as, or karma repaying you, or your conscience talking to you, you know when you're being good. And there is no neutral energy. It's about being better or worse. There is nothing in between. If you are not proactively doing good things in your life, you are defaulting into bad and not caring is harmful to you and the people that you are treating in the way of, I don't care. It's very important to get into a high-quality state and create the world that you want to live in. You know you have the ability to help people when they have the feelings like the anxiety or the fear or the anger. When you have people in your life who are your support system, you can say to them, yeah, I appreciate that you bring something into my life that's invaluable. Now, I want to help you. And most of the time, just hearing that from someone else will get rid of about 80% of the problem for another person. They know that you genuinely, sincerely care about them. And when they have anger or fear or anxiety, they're willing to be vulnerable to you. That vulnerability is the source of the synergy. When we come back, when we come back next week with this show, we'll have an entire show just about personalities. And I have several listeners who requested the opportunity to call in and just ask personality questions. So if you want to do some research and information between now and next week, 
go ahead. I'm ready to answer any questions that you might have about dispositions or functional order or just even different kinds of tests that are out there. You create the world that you want to live in, the power of synergy. I'm your host, Gabrielle Cardona. <laughs>